Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. I want to welcome everyone today, all those joining us online, along with all the men and women in our correctional ministry, man. We are just believing for God to do what only he can do in each and every one of our lives, and we believe in you guys. And so come on, Defiance, help me welcome my church family today. Let them know. Let them know. So good. Well, today we are starting a brand new series called Heart and Soul. And really kind of the big idea behind this series is that we would take a few weeks and we would talk about and even deal with some things that aren't necessarily happening around us, but they're happening in us that oftentimes can get overlooked or maybe aren't the easiest to even deal with. In fact, there's a great example of this in Scripture in Matthew chapter 23 where Jesus is challenging some religious leaders, some people who are seeking God and trying to follow God, and he challenges them by by pointing out the fact that they spend so much time, energy, and effort making sure they look good on the outside, but the inside of who they were still needed a lot of work. In fact, Jesus uses this analogy of how the the outside of the dish, they make sure the outside of the dish or the cup uh, is clean, but the inside is still dirty. Have you ever pulled a dish out of the dishwasher only to notice there's a lot of dried crusties still on the inside of the bowl or the cup or the dish? Anybody ever done that? You didn't really inspect the outside of the cup, didn't really matter, or the dish or the bowl. What mattered was, is the inside still dirty? Because that's the most important part, right? Well, that's the point that Jesus is making in Matthew chapter 23, that the inside is even more important than the outside. And so as we talk about heart and soul today, let's kind of just first define what, what do we mean when we, when we say heart and soul? Some de- simple definitions. First, we would define heart as the core of who we are. The core of of who we are, the the place where we, uh, of our affection, this is the part of us that's eternal, that, that connects with and knows God. And then we would define soul, which the Greek word for soul is psyche, but our soul is our inner being. The place of our desires, emotions, and and dreams. You see, our our soul is the inner us that thinks thoughts, that feels feelings, the the place where we have hopes and dreams and desires and ambitions, heart and soul. This, in in essence, is is who we, we really are because how many of us know that there's so much more to each and every one of us than just what you see on the surface? In fact, uh, Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 tells us, above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. 
And so since this is such an important part of, of who we are, I want to challenge and even encourage us to, to really open our, our hearts and our souls up to heaven and allow God to do some things on the inside of us over these next few weeks. And I love the, the example that, that David gives to us because he really leads the way in this area as he, he prays this, this prayer that would ultimately change his life and his relationship with God forever. And it's gonna be our theme scripture for this entire series. It's found in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Let's take a look at it together. And here David is praying, search me, O God, and know my heart, the core of, of who we are. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, those, those places of my soul that are, are struggling, those places of my, my soul that, that I'm finding difficulty, my thoughts, my emotions, my feelings. And then he goes on to say in verse 24, point out anything in me that offends you. Other versions say that point out anything that or, um, grieves you, God. It grieves the heart of God. In other words, it, it doesn't belong. It shouldn't be there. It's in my heart and it's in my soul and it shouldn't be there, God. Point those things out to me and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So here in this, in this prayer, David, David prays this, this incredible prayer where he has the wisdom and the courage to say, you know, I, I know there are a lot of things going on around me because at this point when David writes this psalm, when he prays this prayer, he's, he's being uh, attacked, he's being falsely accused, and he's facing a ton of adversity, yet in the midst of it all, he has the awareness to say, I know that not everything that I'm dealing with in life is happening from the outside in. That some of the struggles I'm having is coming from the inside out. And, and God, I need your help in order to deal with these things. God, I got some struggles going on in my heart. God, I got some struggles happening in my soul. I realize all the problems that I'm facing, all the difficulties that I'm going through in life. I'd love to blame everything around me, but the truth is there's actually some wrong things happening in me. And he has the courage to go, God, I need your help. And that's what this series is really all about. And so today I wanna kick things off on week number one by talking to us. The title of the message today is The Restless Soul. The Restless Soul. And this is where inwardly we can always kind of be on the go. Our, our minds are always going. We, we might try to find rest for our bodies, but we never really find rest for our souls. We're anxious, we're tense, we're worried, we're concerned. Our minds have a hard time shutting off and we can wake up in the middle of the night and man, our minds just start going with all the things that have to be done the next day. You see, a restless soul is always searching but never finding. A restless soul is interested in everything but satisfied with nothing. When we have a restless soul, we can 
kind of be dissatisfied or not content with where we are or what we have. There's, there's always something better somewhere else. It's a, it's a restless soul. Another way to describe this would, would be how busy we can be. Man, I got this to do and I got that to do. This needs fixed and this needs taken care of. And we just find ourselves going from one thing to another. You know, this past summer, a year ago, I helped coach my son's baseball team, and one of the other coaches had scored some tickets to a Mud Hens minor league baseball game. He actually got uh, some tickets in a suite. So incredible seats with all the food you can eat. And he invited me along with all my kids to come and hang out. And so that was an easy yes. And uh, so a few days later, it was game day for the Mud Hens. And I actually had a lot of things that I had to do that day at work. I felt like I was going from meeting to meeting to meeting. I had a couple counseling sessions. I ended up going a lot longer than I thought they were going to go. And I worked all day, went from meeting to meeting to meeting, and the counseling sessions took longer. So I, I left the office a lot later than I had planned or was supposed to leave. And so I rushed home to throw the kids into the car. We actually had another boy from the baseball team who was going to the game, and his dad was going to meet us at the stadium. So he was with us. And so I throw all the kids in the car and we hightail it to Fort Wayne and I am working the entire time. I'm on the phone the entire time because I still had some things I had to get done. I'm trying to fix and solve and handle this and handle that. And just as we're getting ready to pull up to the stadium, I finally got all my work done and I'm thinking, man, I can finally take a breath and enjoy the game with the kiddos. And we pull up to the parking lot and there's not a single car in the parking lot or a person in the stadium. And it was at that moment I realized the Mud Hens play in Toledo, <laughs> not Fort Wayne. The Tin Caps, a different minor league baseball team, play in Fort Wayne. And I was at the wrong ballpark in the wrong city and there was no way I was gonna be able to drive the two hours now to Toledo and make the game. And so I did what most dads would do. I tried to, to make the most of it. We went over to Crazy Pins and we bowled and we played laser tag and video games. We ate all the pizza and slushies we possibly could. And we tried to make the most of it, but how many of us know it wasn't quite the same? And I went from having free tickets, free food, free everything to forking out a lot of dough just to try and make up for my mistake. But I was just going from one thing to another. Maybe you can relate. I think if you're a parent, you can relate. Uh, but, but inwardly, man, we can be overwhelmed by everything that we're doing or that needs done, and we can have a restless soul. You know, King Solomon made this profound statement in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes that he, he actually paints a, a pretty good picture of how I've lived my life for way too long, and chances are I'm not the only one. Let's take a look at it, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. 
Solomon asked this question. He says, what does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? What does a man get? What, what do we get? All his days, uh, his work is pain and grief. Does that describe it in anybody's job today? All his work is pain and grief. Even at night, what happens? Even at night, his mind does not rest. I want to ask us a question today. How many of us would say that, that we are oftentimes wound up on the inside? Or, or maybe we, we find it difficult to, to calm down. And, and sometimes at, at night, man, our minds just keep on going. And we might even be physically with family and friends, but our minds are somewhere else and we're preoccupied with other things and our soul rarely finds deep rest. How many of us would say, just to be real honest, how many of us would say at one time or another we struggle with having a, a restless soul? Anybody besides me? What I want to do is I want to take a look at a story in the Bible that that shows us uh, how a restless soul can actually cause us to miss what's right in front of us and a restless soul can cause us to look for fulfillment in places we'll never find it. Now, it's the story of the prodigal son, and we actually studied this not too long ago. A few weeks ago, we looked at the, the story of the prodigal son, but we really fixated and focused on the, the, the latter part of the prodigal son's story. And today, I kind of want to focus in on the, the beginning, the front part of his story. And my hope is that, that maybe we'll be able to see this story in a way we've never seen it before. And so let's, let's read it together, the, the verses that we're going to study today. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 17. And Jesus is actually telling a, a parable, a story here. In fact, Luke chapter 15, he's actually telling a story about three different lost things, right? The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, right? We're going to study the story of the parable of the lost son. And so Jesus said there, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And so the father divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to, to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But, everybody say but. But when he came to himself, other versions say when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. And so here Jesus is telling a story of a father who had two sons. Now the father in this story 
story is a representation of God the Father, our heavenly Father, then the two sons would, would represent followers of Christ, believers, Christians, hopefully most of us here, if not all of us here today. And then the only other character in the story is a citizen from a distant land that the younger son attaches himself to in the time of adversity. The citizen's name is never mentioned in the story and there's no particular reference to him, but we need to be careful that we don't overlook him because this character represents the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, who is always hiding in the shadows, lurking behind the scenes, and if he can stay invisible, he can do the most damage. And so the, the father has two sons and the younger son comes to him and demands for, for his father to give him his inheritance now. I do not want to wait till you die. I want my inheritance now. Now, now some people might think um, that the younger son is, is being greedy, but, but I would make the argument that that is not the case. It's, it's not a rags to riches kind of story. This, this is not someone who, who grew up in poverty and is hoping to, to strike it rich. No, the, the, this son was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. And so asking for his inheritance now wouldn't have made him any richer than he already was. He, he already knew what it was like to live in wealth. The problem was that he wasn't satisfied to have just the benefits of the house. He wanted control over it too. He wants control over his future and he tells his father that it's not enough that he's living in the blessing. He wants control over it so that he can do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and how he wants to do it. He wasn't content with what he had, he wanted more. And he had a restless soul. Now notice that it was the, the younger son who asked for his inheritance, but the father divided it amongst both sons. So even though the younger son made the request, both sons got blessed. And so here we see both sons living in their father's house and they're both blessed. How many of us know today that the enemy can't curse what God has blessed? And so if we're blessed today, then we don't have to live in fear because hell can't curse what God has blessed. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and just tell them I'm blessed. Come on, I need you to tell, tell the other neighbor like you really mean it, like you really believe it. Tell them I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I really need you to grab a hold of this today that I am blessed. You are blessed. I, I know sometimes we can shy away from using that verbiage. Maybe, maybe we think that by saying that we're blessed, somehow we're being uh, arrogant or selfish or prideful, or, or maybe we fall on the other side of the coin and we're so focused on all the things that we don't have in our lives that we don't really believe that we're blessed but I'm just gonna speak it over you today that hopefully by the power of the Holy Spirit, you realize that you are blessed. 
Now it's important for us to remember why we're blessed. We're not blessed because of the size of house that we live in. We're not blessed because of the kind of car that we drive. We're, we're not blessed because, because how much money we have in our, our bank account. We're not blessed because of the clothes that, that we wore to church today. We're not even blessed because of our spouse or our family. Those might be symptoms of God's blessing, but they're not the root of it. How many of us know the truth is we can be broke and still be blessed? We can drive a hoopty and still be blessed. We can live in a van down by the river and still be blessed. You can wear somebody else's clothes at church and they don't even look right or fit right on you, but you can still be blessed, right? For man's life does not consist of the things that he possesses. Being blessed goes so much deeper than that. Be being blessed isn't something that you can even necessarily see on the outside or identify or recognize on the outside. Being blessed is living in a place where the supernatural favor of God is on our life. Let me say that again. Being blessed is living in a place where the supernatural favor of God is on our lives. In fact, the result, the result of being blessed is being fulfilled. The result of being blessed is being fulfilled. The result of being blessed isn't a big house. The result of being blessed isn't driving a nice car. The result of being blessed is being fulfilled. In other words, in, in other words I have a satisfied soul. Have you ever uh, went to a restaurant and sat down at the table and ate too much? Anybody ever just sat down at a meal and you just ate? You just, for whatever reason, you just could not stop stuffing your face. It tasted too good. Husbands, how many you have to do that when your wife cooks? That's just how it is for you all the time. Come on, husbands, raise your hand. I know that's how I am every time my wife cooks. Love it. You know, a few months ago, we, we went to... Uh, one of those Brazilian steakhouses. You ever been to one of those places where it's like $750 per person? And, uh, and you go in and they give you like this little tab and on one side of the tab is green. The other side of the tab is red, right? And everybody gets one and you put it right next to your plate. And if it's green, the waiters and waitresses will just keep coming over and, and basically start cutting you meat off this skewer. They just come, they won't stop. And, and I went to it and it's, you know, I mean, I'm a little competitive. It's a competition. I'm gonna beat you. I'm gonna eat all the meat you have back there. I'm going for it. Come on, fellas. I'm getting my money's worth. Not only do, and for me, not only do I have to get my money's worth, but, but Pastor Justina eats like a rabbit, and so I have to get her money's worth too. I'm eating double to get our money's worth to justify this before heaven. And so I just remember I was just eating as much as I possibly can. Apparently there was a salad bar or there was some place where you could go get sides. I went nowhere. I sat down at the table with my tab, bring, bring me the meat, right? That's, I want the whole plate. Don't ruin it with salad or green bean. I don't need any of that on my plate. I just need, I need meat. I need, I need steak. I need lobster. I, I need bacon. Whatever you got back there, just, I don't even have to eat it. Just put it on my plate. I'll just give it a try, right? And so I just remember eating one thing after another. And in all reality and honesty, I, uh, 
I lost. They won. They would not stop coming. They, had, they kept coming. After I, I finally tapped out and turned over to Red, they were still going around the restaurant like I didn't even tap out. They were giving food away and meat away. But man, I remember I ate way too hurt, hurt. Like I hurt after I got in eating. It was, it was like, like, it's not supposed to be like that. Like I'm in, enjoying myself. I'm having a good time. And all of a sudden now I hurt. I paid you $750 and now I'm uncomfortable. I don't even want to walk. You know, there's something wrong about that. But I remember just kind of pushing back from the table and saying, I am full and I am filled. And if you can relate to me at all, many of us might know what it's like to have a satisfied stomach, but how many of us know that God wants us to know what it's like to have a satisfied soul? And as we talk about being blessed, I think it's important to understand that being blessed isn't based on what's happening in our lives. Because how many of us know that we can still be blessed in the midst of adversity, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of the trial, I can still be blessed. Anybody remember that old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul? This song about adversity, hardship, and difficulty, and yet the writer of that hymn declares, it is still well with my soul. In fact, I would make the argument that it's the adversity in our lives that reminds us that we're blessed. How many know if we're not going anywhere, the enemy wouldn't be trying to stop us? Right? You, you can tell if a person is blessed, not because they don't go through anything, but when you're blessed, somehow, some way, you just come out the other side of that adversity better than you were before. You might have some bumps on your elbows. You might have a few bruises. Maybe you got knocked around a little bit. But when the storm passes, there you are still standing because you're blessed. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him you're blessed. Come on, tell him I'm blessed. I would make the argument today that if we're a follower of Jesus, if we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if we've encountered God's presence, if we've experienced his forgiveness, if we've just tasted a little bit of the abundant life that God has had for, has for us, and we have said, here's my life, God. Change me, redeem me, restore me. If we have experienced 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that anyone who is in Christ is a new person, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. If you've just experienced a little bit of that, I'm just going to declare over you today, you are blessed. And the enemy of our soul knows we're blessed. And remember, his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so in order for him to be able to do that, how many of us know he's got to get us out of the blessed place? The enemy knew that, that the only way to get his hands on the prodigal son was to get him out of the house and away from the one who blessed him. And so as we study this story together today, let me, let me just give us two things we can learn from the prodigal son about a restless soul. If you're taking notes, the first thing we can learn about a restless soul is our souls become restless when we forget the one who holds our blessing. Our souls become restless when we forget the one who holds our blessing. You see, the prodigal son made the mistake of forgetting that it was the father that caused him to be blessed, to be fulfilled, and for his soul to be satisfied, not the stuff that his father gave to him. 
Let me put it in real-time terms for us, at least how when I was studying this, when I was praying about it, how God kind of spoke it to me in, in my life and challenged me with it. And God just began to remind me of, of, of kind of the rut that I can fall into in my prayer life. Sometimes I can fall into this rut. Maybe you can relate, maybe not, don't judge me. But I can fall into this rut of going, God, I need this. God, I need you to do that. God, I need you to fix this. God, I'm facing this trial. God, I need you to work this out. God, I need you to smooth this over. God, I need this. God, I need that. But when's the last time I just came before God and said, God, all I need is you. I just need you. I actually don't need the stuff. I'll, I'll take the stuff. I'm grateful for the stuff. But what I really need is you. I just need, don't let me get so caught up in what I need that I forget the who I need. I can remember the, one of the first songs that I really cut my teeth on as a new Christian was this song by Hillsong, All I Need Is You. I was gonna try and sing it, but I cannot sing, and I know you would laugh at me, and I don't wanna give you that opportunity today. But that's, that's all the song was, all I need is you, God. And it would take me back to that place, like instead of going, God, I, I need this from you, I need that from you, I got this problem, I got this struggle, I, I need you to fix this, I need you to go before me, this person's gossiping about me, this person's talking about me, this problem at work, this bill, this, I just need, just need you, God. Because when our relationship with God becomes more about the what instead of the who, our souls will become restless. And this is the, the lesson we learn from the prodigal son. He, he lost sight of who it was that blessed him. He wanted the stuff, but the stuff didn't cause him to be blessed. The, the second thing we can learn from the prodigal son about a restless souls, number two, is that our souls become restless when we forget the place that holds our blessing. When we forget the place that holds our blessing. Can I... Can I encourage us today to never underestimate the power and the importance of being in God's house and around God's people? Because it's in God's house where our faith is strengthened. It's, it's around God's people when we are reminded that we're not alone. You know how many things in my life I've been able to overcome and make it through simply because I was in God's house and around God's people? How many temptations I almost gave into, how many wrong choices I almost made, how many wrong paths I almost went down if it wasn't for the fact that I was in God's house and around God's people. It wasn't even though that I had this, this big faith. It wasn't even that I made every choice, made the right choice every single time. What saved me, what helped me overcome it, what helped me make it through was the fact that I stayed in God's house and around God's people. Somebody say, stay in the house. No matter what's going on in your life, stay in the house. If you feel like nobody appreciates you, stay in the house. If somebody offends you, stay in the house. Going through hell and high water, I'm just going to stay in the house because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not be faint. I'm just going to stay in the house. You see, the mistake the prodigal son made was he left the house. It wasn't that he had a restless soul. It wasn't that he had struggles. We all can deal with that. It wasn't that he was busy going from one thing to another. The major mistake that he made was he left the house. And the enemy of our soul says, come on, come on. I, 
I can't get you when you're in the house. Come on, come out of the, the blessed place. Come out and play. Come on, it's better out here than it is in there. You don't know what you're missing. Come on, come out here and play. And so the prodigal son with his restless soul left the house. And what's interesting about the story is that for a little while, he was still blessed and out of the house. He was out of the house and he was still blessed, out of the will and out of the way, and he was still blessed. He actually thought he had the best of both worlds, but the Bible tells us that if we stay out of the house long enough, eventually we'll lose what we once had. And I love the fact that the Bible uses the word property or possessions because if it would have said money, we would have thought that the only thing we lose when we mess around with the enemy is money. But, the, but we lose a lot more than just our finances when we mess around with the enemy. How many know we lose our integrity? We lose our self-respect. We lose our dignity. We lose our self-esteem. We lose our stuff. Look at your neighbor tell them, don't lose your stuff. Come on, don't lose your stuff. Don't lose your stuff. Don't lose your integrity. Don't lose your purity. Don't lose your self-esteem. Don't lose your dignity. Don't lose your stuff. The Bible tells us that after the prodigal son lost his stuff and squandered his property and his possessions and his inheritance, a famine arose in the, in the country and he began to do what David said in Psalm 23, none of us should ever have to do, and that is he began to want. I mean, David said that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And when we have want, which is simply unfulfilled desires, how many know it will make you desperate and desperate people do desperate things? And the Bible tells us that he attached himself to a citizen of the country, which reminds us that we are the sum total of our relationships to show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? And how many of us know that we better be careful who we attach ourselves to, especially if we're struggling with a restless soul? Like when we're restless, how many know we can be, it's really easy to be hasty in those moments. Where do we run to in those moments of where we feel empty? Where, where, where do we go when, 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 when our soul is restless, when, when what we want to happen isn't quite happening when we want, how we want, as fast as we want it to happen? Where do we go to? Single people, man, I'm tired of being single. I wanna find somebody and I'm tired of trying to find somebody in church. So I am going to be hasty and I'm gonna go meet this need on my, where do we run to when our soul is restless? How do we spell relief? Who are the people that we surround ourselves with? Well, what, what things do we like to do when our soul is restless? You see, the Bible tells us that the, the prodigal son found himself in a field feeding the pigs. And all of a sudden, he starts looking at things that at one time had no appeal, but now they're starting to look good. A few months ago, he was being critical of the people that we're doing those things. And a few months ago, he wouldn't have wanted to, to eat what the, the pigs ate, but when we have a restless soul, some things we said we would never do, all of a sudden we start thinking about doing. Come on, I'm talking to the real people in the house today. 
And just as he was about to indulge in something that could never satisfy the restlessness of his soul, the Bible tells us that he came to himself. He came to his senses. He almost, but he came to his senses. I wonder if anyone else besides me today is not only grateful for what God has delivered you from, is not only grateful for what he has forgiven you for, but I am so grateful for the fact that that God saved me from some things I almost did. Like if he wouldn't have stepped in and satisfied the longings of my, I almost gave into that. I was on the verge of doing that. I almost went over it. I almost caved into that. I almost indulged in something that would have brought me even more pain and regret. I almost, and yet I came to my senses and he satisfied the longing of my soul because I, I would have settled for something that, that could never have given me me what I was looking for. I'm so grateful for what I almost did that he saved me from. And when the prodigal son came to his senses, when he came to himself, he realized who and where his soul was satisfied. And so he went back to the father's house, which is really the beautiful part of the story because the Bible tells us that even when the younger son was still a long way off, the father ran to him and embraced him. Isn't that the beauty of our God? That even when we run away from him, he still keeps running after us. Even when we leave the blessed place and the one who holds our blessing, the moment we come to our senses, he's ready to receive us and welcome us back into his house. And so the truth is, if you're taking notes, as we close today, our souls find rest in God alone. Our souls find rest in God alone. Psalm 62 verse one says this. David, once again speaking here, you'll see where I got my point. My soul finds rest, David said, in God alone. My salvation, my life, my clean conscience, right? My victory. Is that what salvation represents? New life, new start, victory. I'm an overcomer. I have purpose. I have meaning. Where does that come from? It comes from him. My soul finds rest. My fulfillment finds, finds, uh, is found in God alone. And my salvation, my life comes from him. And so my soul inwardly, eternally, who I am in essence only finds rest in God. In, in other words, I just was thinking about it. There's no, there's no person. There's no place. There's no thing, there's no experience, there's no vacation, there's no dream home, there's no amount of money, there's nothing outside of God that can satisfy our soul. Come on, how many know our soul finds rest in him? Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you in this place, and God, we thank you for the fact that, God, you quiet the storms in us, God, you fulfill the desires of our hearts and you satisfy our souls. And as we're praying together today, God, we just, our heart is, our prayer is today, Holy Spirit, how do you want us to respond to your word today? 
What can we learn from the prodigal son? What can we apply to, to our lives? God, we don't want to just be hearers of your word. We want to be doers. And so for those of us who've maybe struggled with having a, a restless soul, I feel like I'm just going from one thing to another. I'm having, I have a hard time shutting my mind off. I'm running to this. I'm running to that. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. I'm worried. I'm concerned. God would say, come back to the house. Come back to the, the blessed place. Remember the one who satisfies your soul. Remember the one who calms the storms within you. Remember the one who's in control, who calls the shots. Remember the place where you find peace. Remember that place where it is well with your soul. Let's go back to that place. That we would just take a moment and be still and know that he is God. You're God. You're in control. All the things I'm worried about, all the things I'm concerned with, I'm just going to be still and know that you are God. I trust you. You're in control, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your hand in my life. Thank you for the blessings that you have given to me. Thank you for the fulfillment and the satisfaction you have brought to my soul. It is well. Come on, tell him, it is well. It is well with my soul, God. No matter what I'm going through, it is well with my soul. No matter how I feel, it is well with my soul. No matter what's going on, and what my emotions tell me, it is well with my soul because my soul finds rest in you, God. As we're continuing praying together today, maybe, maybe you would say you've never, maybe you've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Maybe you've never encountered his presence like that. Maybe you know the story about Jesus, but you've never surrendered to the story. The Bible says if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths, that Jesus is Lord, we shall and we will be saved. I'm gonna give you that opportunity to make that decision today. It was the best decision I ever made in my entire life. And it actually was the first domino in a series of many dominoes to give me a life I never thought possible. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to experience that with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you need to say, here's my heart, God, what you've always wanted, here's my life. Change me from the inside out. Would you lift your hand to heaven and say, here I am, God. Here's my life. And right where you're at, would you just pray this with me? Say, God, thank you for sending your one and only son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. God, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit, God. Show me how to live. My heart and my life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not. That's what happens when you wake. What happens when you wait? 
They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait on oh, they
for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.